0: Since we
1: What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, aka The Booch, and welcome to the recap of AEW. And New Japan Pro Wrestling present Forbidden Door. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, joining me here on the Boochcast, uh, he's reluctantly joining me, but he is joining me nonetheless. He's been woken. Yes, yeah, sir. Sure. He's been broken. Yes, yeah, sir. Sure. And now he's just broke. I'm pretty sure it's mentally as well as financially. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the Boochcast the one, the only, the broke soulless ginger, Mr. Zach Scott.
2: I hope Kitty O'Mid becomes. The next AEW World Champion. What's up, dude? Dude, that's just the broke soldier. got you speaking? I'm not that broke. Any? Fuck you. Hey, don't you put that evil into the
1: world? <laughs> don't <laughs> you put that evil into the world? How dare you, oh, sir? I hope,
2: hope the best becomes a WWE champion next. Oh. Yeah.
1: See, this is the devil we're dealing with here, ladies and gentlemen. This is a man who wants to bring evil and destruction to the wrestling business. (sighs) Anyway, ladies
2: and gentlemen. You can't let go of a grudge.
1: Really? I can't let go of a grudge. I got a bunch of group text messages says you can't. But anyway, we're not going to get into that, ladies Mm. and gentlemen. We're not here. This is not the time for petty arguments and unrealistic fantasies and evilness. We are here for the forbidden door. And this is a a pay-per-view where Zach said the same. Thing to me that Jim Cornette said to Brian last, and I quote: "Was that we actually have to watch this fucking thing?"
2: <laughs> yeah, I was not happy. Was like we,
1: we gotta watch it. <laughs> yeah, we do, but I don't want to. <laughs> suck it up, Buttercup. As I said, suck it up, Buttercup. Hey, good uh, or bad, we are required to review every pay per view involving AEW or NXT, or NXT on the bootcast. You know, we that's what we do, ladies and gentlemen. It's it, it comes with the territory of being an analyst. You don't just get the luxury. Of Having all the good stuff. You also gotta dispense uh, with the bet. And but overall, and we're gonna get into the pay per view. Surprisingly, it was good.
2: Surprisingly, it was good. I was shocked about that. Yes. And- I was very very shocked about that. I was like, this is gonna suck. I was like, hey, after watching, I was like, hey, it wasn't that bad. But there was one particular moment that made me laugh my ass off.
1: Really? What was that?
2: I don't know. It was one of the matches. And somebody did a low blow. And I think Has said this. That's my purse. <laughs> I shit you not. I thought you cut on it. And I was like, wait a minute here. It's like. he
1: just (laughs) what had happened was um, I'm not going to go into too much detail about this maybe I will on a future uh, variety show but let's just say Vinny was dealing with a bunch of Delta Airline bullshit during this show so even though I was watching it I had the commentary on mute um, which which made me happy and sad at the same time I was happy because I didn't have to hear the racist Excalibur speak but it was sad because Kevin Kelly was on the commentary and I miss Kevin Kelly. I loved him. He was a great fucking uh, He was great in WWE.
2: I don't remember him.
1: You don't remember Kevin <laughs> Kelly? No. Did you ever watch The Attitude Era? This was years ago, so I don't remember him. Okay. All I remember was Michael Cole and Okay. Do you remember Allison? And... Do you remember when The Rock would do his promos? And yeah, of there was that that white that that clean shaven overweight white guy backstage that he would call a hermaphrodite. Oh yeah. That's Kevin Kelly. Oh,
2: Jesus the Rock, okay. the Rock
1: used to fuck with him all the time. Okay. He called him a hermaphrodite. Kevin tried to say like I beg your pardon and he goes keep your mouth shut Hermie and The Rock would just call him Hermie he'd make him pick his I mean, nose I mean, he'd make him wear he'd make him wear t-shirts on his head like he wanted to advertise a t-shirt he would take the t-shirt put it over his head and make him keep his head still <laughs> he did it to Michael Cole a few times too but it was great like I remember the best one was uh, Kevin Kelly was cutting up. Uh, the Rock was doing a promo for No Way Out 2000 and yeah he, uh, he, Kevin Kelly was interviewing The Rock and The Rock said Kevin let The Rock ask you a question have you ever had any pie? And he goes, well, uh, yeah, I, I had some apple pie over at a uh, over in the food court earlier. He goes, he goes, oh yes, apple pie, yes, that is delicious, but that's not what kind of what the Rock's talking about. The Rock's talking about poontang pie. And Kevin's like, oh, come boy. on, Rock, you're you're talking to me here. If you're asking me if I ever had a piece of poontang pie, I mean, come on. And then there's a pause, and the Rock's got his glasses on. He's just staring at me. He finally, goes, don't lie to the Rock. You have never had a piece of poontang pie. He said, but get ready, Kevin Kelly, because the Rock has a gift for you. I'm going to give you your very first taste of poontang pie. And Kevin's smiling. Because, by the way, for, for those of you playing the home game, poontang pie is a slang term for pussy.
2: It's not going to be one of the famous oh, train girls.
1: Yeah, so, but here's, but here's what it was. It was The Rock with his old, with, with a poontang pie t-shirt. And he draped it over Kevin Kelly's face.
2: There, he got some tank.
1: And he's like, know your role, shut your mouth, don't move your head. And he would tell him, don't move your head so you can clearly see the t-shirt. So The Rock's doing product placement while cutting his promo. I'd be cussing him out. Oh, uh, no, you wouldn't. Maybe when the oh, camera yeah. was off, but if you did it while the camera was rolling, you'd be fired. Oh,
2: after the camera I, I, I just, I, after the camera went off, I would cuss him out.
1: <laughs> That's just one of those things where The Rock's having fun because, you know, I'm sure The Rock cleared it with Kevin Kelly before he did that. But occasionally, Kevin Kelly would do commentary on SmackDown some nights. And um, he eventually did commentary for Ring of Honor after he left WWE because he had a falling out with WWE. Definitely doesn't like Triple H at all. Um, Later, um, and is now in New Japan. But here's the thing that bothered me about the commentary. You got Kevin Kelly. I love that. Mm -hmm. Taz, never had complaints about Taz as a commentator. Thought he was very well done. Why does Excalibur still have a job? I'm like, you've you've got Jim Ross, the greatest announcer ever. You got Tony Schiavone, the man in WCW. Yet you continue to let these guys take a back seat to an untalented, racist piece of crap like Excalibur. And I don't know what that noise is in the background's at, but you damn well better shut it off. It's pissing me off.
2: Thank you. It's the, I'm outside. This is Storm Sound. Oh, never but mind. You're just
1: testing it. All right, yeah. well. I,
2: I checked the weather. We're good right now. It's not supposed to rain for a while, but it was just a Storm Sound. It's okay. cut off right now.
1: All right, good, good, good. So anyway, but yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking like you got Jim Ross, who is not only the best commentator ever, but here's the thing. Before JR came to AEW, he was doing commentary for New Japan. So why not have Kevin Kelly, Tony Schiavone, Jim Ross doing your commentary? Put three elite commentators on there because Excalibur no longer serves a purpose in AEW in my opinion. Like I said, in the beginning he was useful, but he was only useful for trying to educate the fans at home who these outlaw who the outlaw mud show pieces of shit were that were getting contracts they didn't deserve to fucking get. Well guess what? It's been three years. We know who these outlaw mud show piece of shit people are. So your job is done. There is no other other than the fact that he sucks off the dumb fucks, there is no logical reason for this man to still have a job. None. None. Zero. It's for goddamn ridiculous. So that disappointed me with the commentary. Now of course JR did eventually come out to call a few matches, but he should have been out there the whole goddamn time. But I guess cuz JR's too fucking real for the Kool-Aid drinking audience that they don't put yeah. him in commentary as much. <laughs> Because JR's too right, busy sure. keeping it real. You don't know, oh, like yeah, real on this, this show. Real. Of course not. So, now that I got all that out of my system. Oh, by the way. Um, Are you sure? Well, not yet. I still want to talk about one more thing because um, I kind of went off on a tangent. But like you're talking about the commentator saying uh, my my purse. I thought that was great because that was my favorite part. One of my favorite episodes of King of the Hill was Bobby kicking everybody That's in the nice. nuts. He's like, let go of my purse. I don't know you. <laughs> and here's a thing. People, people laugh at that. I want to say this. If you're in a fight with somebody, like if you're a guy and you're to fight with another guy and you just randomly scream let go of my purse It that's kind of smart because for a minute it throws them off their game because even if they laugh at you or keep hitting you they need a second to process what the fuck you just said while they're kind of sitting there going what did he just say boom you can hit him whether it's a shot to the nuts or a punch to the face or gut or whatever you can get something and they're trying to get Bobby crap for kicking people in the nuts I look at it like this if you're in a street fight anything fucking goes yeah that's true the only time I don't condone nutshots or say you're a coward for hitting nut shots is if you're in a sanctioned professional fight, like boxing or MMA or martial art or karate or pro wrestling, whatever. But if you're in a street fight and your life is on the line, do what you gotta fucking do to get out of it. You gotta you gotta punch, kick, slap, bite. Fucking do whatever you gotta do. Because you're in survival mode at that point. Survival mode. Yes. So, anyway, I just wanted to say that. Yeah. Love that part. <laughs> but that's still a cool thing. It's like, let go of my purse. I, I actually, I actually reminds me of this joke that Andrew Dice Clay did where he went to the movies and he was... And there was this guy next to him that wouldn't share the armrest, or he kept touching him. And how was a little? How sometimes when you're at the movie theater, you you fighting with the other guy to get to get a, a spot on the armrest. And Dice yeah. goes, "I hate being touched by anybody for any reason." He said. So I developed a, an idea on how to get the armrest. He said. The second, I put my arm there, and somebody puts their arm next to mine. The second their arm touches my arm, I just go, "Oh, I'm gonna come!"
0: <laughs> <And>
1: he goes. <laughs> he goes. Forget the armrest. You get the whole row after that. And anybody. <laughs> else that heard what you're saying. I haven't done that yet, but I might do that one day.
2: I swear to God, if you do, but you do if that with me in the theater, I'm going to shoot you.
1: Hey, I'm not, I'm not going to do it with you, Zach. That's what, that's only if somebody like... No, that's not something you do to a friend. I mean, you can do it to a friend, but it's kind of a dick move. You know, it's funny if you do it to a total stranger. That's when it's funny. I don't give a that fuck would be funny wheels. to you.
2: What? That would be funny to you, Sam? Crashing at your house one night, and I sneak into your room put a Bluetooth speaker right there and hit like
1: You really have a death wish, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, we can do this all day, but you don't want to be here all day. I mean, how we're already wasting thirteen minutes of your time. So let's move on. We're gonna cut to kick things off with the first official match of the evening with the winning team to get the main to get the one man advantage at Blood and Guts, which is taking place um the time you're listening to this tomorrow. We have Chris Jericho, Manuro Suzuki, and Sammy Guevara versus Eddie Kingston, Wheeler Yuta, and Shota Umino.
2: Honestly to tell you truth i thought this was a great opening match of course i knew jericho Guevara, Keisha, and Yuda, but i didn't know the other two guys but one thing about the, about the japanese dude the jericho Guevara, did you notice anything about him he has really big ears yeah i thought he was gonna flow away anyways uh it, it was good it was a good opening bat. uh i thought it was fantastic apparently somebody did so and but the suzuki guy i had a problem with him you know what that was what was that he didn't sell really she did not nutshell. Not one damn bit. Even though it was uh, like, it looked like it hurt, maybe it did it, But you supposed to make it look like it hurt, you dipshit.
1: Oh, that's just one of many reasons why I hated this spot fest shit show that opened the show. Yeah, this I was,
2: thought it was
0: good. In, it was a spot match. fest from
1: hell. I, it, it involves Sammy Guevara. And of course, they had Ty Cunty in their corner. Um, Sammy Guevara, okay. I just cannot, st- I, I, there's nothing talented about this guy. He is unbearable. He is unbearable to watch in a ring. Jericho and Kingston are the only ones in this match that know any psychology. Any. They were the only two watchable things in this match. Then, of course, there's Shota Omino. I think he's a spot monkey. He did not impress me in this match. And Suzuki didn't sell a damn thing, and the crowd cheered. This is where I want to call out every single mark that creamed in their pants at the sight of Suzuki. I did I didn't
2: know who he was.
1: You are all sheep. You are all hypocrites, and you don't know shit about wrestling. If you chanted this man's name, and I'm going to tell you why. Because the one <laughs> thing I always hear in professional wrestling, especially in WWE, is, you know, this guy doesn't sell, and that guy doesn't sell, and this person doesn't sell. Hogan no sells when he's hulking up. Warrior does this, and he's now selling, and these guys don't know how to sell. That guy doesn't know how to sell. Meanwhile, Zuki didn't sell a fucking thing, and y'all went freaking nuts. Also, here's another thing. Why is this guy in the ring? He's old. Why is this guy in the ring? He's old. Don't the old guys know when to retire? Zach, want to take a guess how old Suzuki is?
2: Older than Jericho.
1: Uh, I think so. Maybe. See, how old is good old Y2J? But yeah, you're at right there. No, actually, Suzuki's yeah. older than Jericho.
2: That's what I meant.
1: Yeah, he's older than Jericho. How old is he? 54. Jesus Christ. 54 years old 54 years old ladies and gentlemen and guess what what a certain big man that y'all think needs to retire goes by the name of Goldberg he's 55 suck my dick from the back all of you seriously your hypocrisy is astounding how it is astounding at the fact that you will drool over this fucking guy who barely did a goddamn thing in the ring. His punches look horrific and just horrifying. It's horrifying to watch him wrestle. This man couldn't sell a dying man a defibrillator. Okay? Just it was fu- this match was fucking awful. It was a spot fest from start to finish. Hated every second of this. I'm watching this going. I my, my the bar was set very low for me at this point with this pay-per-view. It's pretty much every bit the shit fest I think it's going to be. But anyway, Jericho hits a Judas effect. They get the one, two, three. So now Jericho's team, the Jericho Appreciation Society, has the one-man advantage going into Blood and Guts. And here's the thing. They should.
2: Yeah, the right team won. The right team won.
1: Because the heels should always have the one-man advantage. That is a rule. And the reason that happens is because during the two-on-one beatdowns or three-on-two or four-on-three beatdowns, when they have the one-man advantage, it's how they get their heat. Then, when the odds are even, that's how the babyfaces make their comeback. heat, 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 come back. That's why the guy, the, the babyface comes in like a house of fire and beats the hell out of everybody and builds his momentum up before eventually the heels cut him off and the match continues. But that's how you make this shit work.
2: Yep, that is 100% a correct show.
1: So after we get through this shit show, we move on to the next match of the evening, a winner take all match for the Ring of Honor and IWGP Tag Team Titles. FTR defends the Ring of Honor tag team titles against Rapungi Vice and United Empire. <laughs> And United Empire defends the IWGP tag team titles against Rapanji Vice, and FTR.
2: I hate to do this again to you, but I enjoy the live shit out of it. Archie truly fucking did. It was back or it was physical. Dax Hartwood, hopefully I said, it's what the ball guy from FTR was out, but he came back and they made their comeback and hit the shot one, two, three. I thought this was actually fantastic. But apparently the tone of the voice of
1: Eddie Bucci, you hear, at ATA in the he doesn't seem too pleased with this match. Any? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Did De- did I say I wasn't pleased with this match? In the tone of your voices, you did sound like
2: it. Be honest.
1: No, 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 no. That's just me talking, bro. I mean, I might be a little, I might be still a little steam from the last match. Dude, I enjoyed this immensely.
0: Okay, thank you.
1: I enjoyed I'm this sorry. match very much. So, Jeff Cobb is amazing. Jeff Cobb is a big fucking dude. Great O'Con. Don't really know much about him, but at least he knows how to work. He you had they F-
2: didn't do the spot monkey bullshit.
1: Yes, and you had FT. Now, whether or not that's their normal way of wrestling, it's hard to tell. Because FTR prevents the spot monkey shit. They don't play that. If you're in a ring with F T R you gonna wrestle. You gonna work. You gonna tell a set you're gonna tell a story. And if you don't want to, they'll fucking make you.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's true.
1: So I don't know if that's how they regularly fight, but if it is, I like the team. Obviously, Rocky Romero, Trent Beretta, I like it. Whatever gets whatever gets Trent Beretta away from pockets and Chucky e. T is great because you know Trent is the one guy and the best friends that is actually a good wrestler. He's just put in he was just he's just he's been part of the comedy troupe for so long. it's Hard to take seriously, and even with his mom Sue involved, that's the only thing. That's the only thing entertaining about the best friends, because Trent has the whole Sue concept, which I enjoy. Some purists don't enjoy that part, but I do. But Sue hasn't been on TV in a while, so there's not really to worry about. But either way, fantastic match. Um, at one point, it looked like Dax Harwood injured himself during the elbow drop, but hopefully, whatever the injury was, they can get fixed up, and you know nothing bad is happening. You know, like instead of if Dax, if you know if Dax is just hurt, needs a little bit of time to. Heal up. That's okay. You can have them cut promos. They don't necessarily have to wrestle. Like if anything, maybe have Cash really do a singles match to kind of keep things going, or have Dax probably be in his corner. But I would let Dax rest that elbow for a bit. You know, don't don't feel like you got to put them in the ring and have them wrestle every week. Okay. You know, if, if he's hurt a little bit, let him heal up. Be smart. So I would let Dax take it easy for a bit until we make sure he's 100%. Once he's 100%, get him in the ring because we don't. The last thing we need is another injury. If they get injured, I have to surrender these titles that's going to be fucked up because they are on a roll tag title wise and i'm waiting i am chomping at the bit for them to beat the dumb fucks and take their belts If
2: think about that if they did they'll have the roh the japanese and uh aws will make it better if they took the uh, all of them some shows. but if they do that how they're going to carry all those belts
1: easy they just carry them to the ring, find a way. They can defend them. They still have the AAA titles on top of that, but you just have them dominate until you're ready to find different teams to beat them for the belts. They're going to lose the AEW belts. Much as I hate to say it, I would love to see the Hardy still take it from them, much as I hate Jeff. But if Jeff's going to come back to AEW, I'd rather he team with Matt and win a tag belt than go for a singles belt.
2: Side note, online, he, uh, AEW has officially confirmed that Jeff Hardy is in rehab right now. Yes,
1: we know he's in rehab right now and he has to complete the program and convince Tony that he's gonna be healed up, and he told Jeff Hardy that when he comes back, he fucks up again, he's out. He's made it clear. Jeff gets one final chance with Tony, and he's done.
2: Well, I hope that don't happen. But otherwise than that, I thought this second match was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. It was entertaining as hell. That was the edge of your sheet. I was like, yeah. And when uh, when FTR went, I was like, yeah.
0: I did too. I man. actually
2: kind of squealed. <laughs> I did <laughs> was, too because it was that fucking
1: good. Oh god. Like, lo- and a couple of times it looked like it looked like Rappaporty Vice's gonna win i'm like no oh, no not them not them then Je- it looked like jeff cobb was gonna win for his team and i'm like every time ftr had a pin they broke it up i'm like i swear to god i swear to god they fuck ftr like but they they hit that when they got that win boom that was so fucking awesome it was so satisfying like that was the first thank exciting you wrestling
2: moment gods what thank you wrestling gods
1: yes Glory be to the wrestling gods.
2: Glory be to the wrestling gods. Yes.
1: And of course, um, so yeah, so congrats to FTR on the win. Hope you get those AEW belts soon. And uh, when you do inevitably drop those titles, hopefully you'll drop each one to a worthy team. Yeah. In those promotions.
2: Worthy team? Yeah.
1: I mean, a worthy team happen. to put over. Like if they put these guys over, it makes sense. Like yeah, lose good. to a tag team that's like, okay, this is a team that's ready. Cause they can't hold all the belts forever. Eventually it will get stale. So when they do, it needs to go for a while. Don't get me wrong. It needs to go for a long mm-hmm. while. Because FTR was getting fucked for the longest time in AEW. WWE. Well, yeah, but FTR did worse. At least with WWE, they were on TV every week. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We have the Fatal 4-Way match to crown the, new, the first ever AEW All-Atlantic Champion. We have Malachi Black versus Pac versus Miro versus Clark Connors. Did you enjoy this? Extremely. How about you?
2: Yeah, I did, did, did this too. I wasn't really happy with. I was. I was shocked at Hawk one, but uh, but to tell you the truth, the one guy who pressed me was that uh, the, the Clark Connor guy who actually put mirror through the table. Like he came out of nowhere and he did a good job. I don't know who the fuck he was. But
1: okay, who the hell
2: is this? But it was a good three to
1: four way match. Really yeah. good. Guy. Yes, I was very impressed with Clark Connors. I this is my first time ever seeing him, and I would love to see more of him. He's one of the few guys from New Japan that I heavily that I would endorse to bring to AEW if his time in New Japan is up and he ever wants to come to All Elite Wrestling or even WWE for that matter. I think he'd be great in either company, you know? So, and, you know, and I say that because, you know, I don't know where Clark's gonna go, but I feel like wherever he does go, he'll do well. So I was impressed with him. Uh, I I was really wanting Miro to win this. I was ready for the Redeemer to get some gold again because he hasn't held a title since that run he had with the TNT Championship. But if somebody else was gonna win, I would want it to be Pac because he's just... Just as much of a badass. He's incredible on the mic. Ever since he's come to AEW and dropped the Neville gimmick, he has been amazing. In AEW because he doesn't do a lot of spot shit. He's more he's more of a brawler, which I appreciate. And he's just incredibly fucking talented. So I'm definitely a fan. So when Pac like when Pac hit that 450 after you know hit Malachi Black with that 450 and pinned Connors or locked Connors in the Brutalizer and he tapped out, I thought it was great. So like it, it made sense for Connors to tap out because you know he's not gonna he's not gonna be an AEW. He's a new Japan guy. So it's good to tap out the new Japan guy because it doesn't hurt the other two AEW guys who might be chasing that title later even though like Malachi Black's the only person that could have won and I'd have been like fuck this whole fucking match like, he's the one guy I did not want to win because he's the At only least one he didn't who... win right he didn't win no but Miro was my number one guy
2: but yeah he was mine too but I would agree with you on Pac I was like okay good 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 I was like alright I was like eh. I was subject to Miro to win I was like alright but Miro Jesus Christ poor Clark Gable he beat the shit out of him I mean, oh Con- Connors uh, Connors I'm just gonna call him Connors <laughs> I don't know who
1: Clark Connors. is Clark Gable is an American film actor
2: sorry I said the wrong name oops anyways yeah but that was that I thought this was actually really really good so one shitty match two good ones in a row moving
1: on by the way the person you confused Clark Connors was- with was Gomez from the original Adams family? Really? Yeah. Huh. I'm talking about the one from like way back in the day, like black and white. Oh shit. Yeah. So, white, <laughs> yeah. Clark Connors not in the Adams family. <laughs> but anyway, um, after that we move on to the next match of the evening. Dear God, help us all. The boy, boy. eight-man tag match: The Bullet Club versus Dudes with Attitude. No. 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 The, you know what I love
2: with seeing Injuries with at his age at six. Years old dump off top of the uh, on top of the interest. I was like, um, okay, Sting, buddy, sir, I love you, but dude, you're sixty years old. You don't need to be doing that. Can you just come at the ring. I don't know. You guys just start off normal, but you had to start off with some circus act. I'm not calling him a spot market, buddy, but did you really have to do that.
1: Here's the thing. Because it's Sting and because of how old he is, and because he, this is not shit that he's notorious for doing, I give Sting a pass. <laughs> because the re- and here's the reason why. Sting doesn't have to do those moves. No, we don't. And you also need into account he's 63 years old and he can still move like that. To me, that's impressive. Because Sting, you know, he's trying to show that he's still got it and also kind of shows, hey, I'm a legend who's not just here to cash a paycheck. I'm not just here to collect money, even though I'm kind of known for that. Uh, But I'm here to actually wrestle and do the work. And I've made this statement before, and I will say it again till I'm blue in the face. I want to see Sting as the AEW World Heavyweight Champion.
2: You and me both.
1: I There's a lot of legends in this in this company that can still physically go that deserve to have the belt around their waist. And I'll tell you Dude, why. I thought of a dream match. Okay.
2: Badass Billy Gunn against Sting for the AEW
1: World Championship. That would be gold.
2: <laughs> How good would that be?
1: Let, let me tell you this. The last time AEW was in Atlanta, oh. there was a six, there was a tag team match or a six-man tag match. Sting and Billy Gunn at one point were in the ring staring each other down in that match and they were throwing fisticuffs. The crowd went insane. There is money to be made with a Sting and Billy Gunn feud. I think the world title needs to be involved because if either because with either one of them as world champion hell both of them should get a run at some point and here's why I say that because A it puts legendary status behind your world title to say hey I'm holding a belt that Sting once held I'm holding a belt that Billy Gunn once held That's a big deal. That's a huge fucking deal. But not only that, when they get the world title, do you know what that also means? What? Eventually, they have to lose that world title. And that is when you pick the next guy you want to be a star in your company. And who everyone can agree is the next big star in the business. That's the guy you have beat Sting. Or beat and or beat Billy Gunn. And then he's over.
2: Or, one more time, Chris Jericho against Sting. Or Chris Jericho about against badass Billy Gunn. Well, I'd say it's a triple threat, but
1: no. Here's what I would say. Like if Jericho ever won back the world title, have Sting beat him for it. That way, he doesn't beat somebody else. He could just beat Jericho. Doesn't hurt Jericho. Sting wins the world title. And then you have another big up-and-coming guy that you think is going to be the next big thing to beat him. Hell, have MJF do it. Where the hell he's been at? Uh, they're, They're running in the storyline. Although we're, I can't tell at this point if it's still a storyline or if it's or if or if he's really gone. But if this is a work, they are playing it very well. I'm not even sure anymore. But what I found the most interesting was the name Sting came up with for this fa- for this group called Dudes with Attitudes. Because if you listen real closely, they mentioned Dudes with Attitudes was a stable in WCW that Sting was a part of. And, I did not know that. Yes. And they were at the Great American Bash 1990, which by the way, uh, next Monday here on the Boochcast, Gator and I do a classic pay per view review of The Great American Bash 1990. So, does he behave? uh let me put, no, Actually, at one point, he has to calm me down. Uh oh. I, I have Gator going, no, 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 Mr. Pidgey Ready, no, Mr. Mister Ready, some of us still have to work. Because <laughs> that's his new thing when oh, I shit Bichiretti. on certain people in the business. He goes, Mr. you Ready, some of us still have to work. And I do the same thing but yes but the dudes with attitude was a faction that went up against the horsemen here are the people in the faction it was Sting but in the faction was also El Gigante Lex Luger Paul Orndorf, the Steiner Brothers and the Junkyard Dog that was the dudes with attitudes in WCW now in AEW it's basically Sting Darby Allen Shingo Tagaji and like a trios match take on the bullet club with the, which is the the Young Bucks and El Fantasimo.
2: I'm just happy the right team won. Yes. I mean, but the one part I love is when uh, the Double super kicked Sting and he just did a Neo thing. Did you see him do that? Oh, and I thought like, that right was beautiful. I, I paused it right there and I started laughing. I was like, you 60-year-old son of a bitch. I was like, oh, A.W., listen to live any here. Put the title on Sting, you
1: cocksuckers. Oh, I thought it was great and then at one point Sting hit like that double Scorpion death drop. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that too. But I'll have to admit, though, I know you don't like Darby Allin. That poor bastard took a fucking beat. He yeah, always he got, little, he got a little respect out of me. I know you don't like him, but... Well, that's just because yeah. he's
1: a human pincushion. Like, I know, I know. He's he literally did. just like, let's see how... let's see, Look at all these bumps I can take, and that makes me great. No, it, it makes you stupid, okay?
2: What he needs to do is stop doing the coffin drop and do it like a, like a submission. He's getting enough to get around and make you tap out. Look how small freaking Daniel Bryan is. He needs Batista tap out and Triple H tap out. A lot of people, Darby Real one, stop doing a coffin drop and end up in a fucking wheelchair. Your wife left you because of it.
1: Yeah, I, I'm just saying, it's it's ridiculous. This guy's gonna get himself killed one day. I'm just saying, if I want to watch somebody, you know, intentionally hurt themselves doing stupid stunts, I watch the jackass movies.
2: I understand that. I like his gimmick. I like the skateboard thing stop doing the coffin drop and get some meat on your bones. Eat some steak, eat some cheeseburgers, dude. Jesus Christ. I'm a smoker, over drug addict, a, a drinker and everything else. And I weigh well, you probably buy about
1: two, 10 pounds you're actually in better shape than he is at least physique wise I mean his endurance is probably higher because of the shit that he's doing but I'm just saying you know I mean I mean staying no selling was one thing but then of course a lot of people were recovering quickly from big spots and that's another reason why I don't like New Japan wrestlers because they no sell all the time it was their strong style no sell I hit you with a big move and you get up almost immediately it's like fuck you how is it that some of these AEW I, I if I I'm a re- if I'm a wrestler from America, and I'm wrestling a Japanese guy, and I hit you one of my big moves, and you immediately get back up, yeah. guess what? I hope you're Irish, because you're getting a lot of potatoes coming your way. Side, side note right there. That's racist. I'm half Irish, so no, it's not. Racist, racist, racist. I would take any call, Mr. Vinibu. Did you racist, racist, racist.
2: I know you're just, I know you're just kidding, because you're Irish. I'm, I'm half
1: Irish, Irish. I can tell that joke. And plus, potato, for, for those that don't know, that's I know, I know, I know. punching somebody for. For real, yeah. I was like, I know, I was like, and yeah. I would have. And if you know, if you no sell me and we didn't plan it, or you're not legend. a legend like Sting, I'm potatoing your ass. Like, you're getting, I will make you sell, motherfucker. You are not gonna make me look bad because you come from the land of no sell. So, we, despite the young, despite the dumb fucks and the, and, the, and the Japanese no selling guys, Sting was the only thing about this match for me that was watchable. Everything else was just spot that, fest. I did not enjoy it. Of course, it was. It. I didn't even the finish, I didn't like. It's basically Tagaji pinning Connors who showed up out of nowhere. Like, it was just, it was ridiculous. Sting does all this cool shit, doesn't get the pin. Fuck this. It sucked. But then we move on to the next match of the evening. Thank you, Jesus. For the AEW women's title, Thunder Rosa defends the title against that ass. Tony Storm. The match started off absolutely
2: fucking wonderful. Ladies, gentlemen, yes, boys, girls, dudes, yes, and any beauty. It was back and forth. Thunder throw some shots in. Tony Storm, that beautiful Australian goddess, throw some really good shots in. It was some submissions and other that's But the you no know one I'm really not happy about. What is the fucking finish? Tony Storm should have won, but she did it. She said some bullshit. Now my woman's gone. You wouldn't believe who she's married to. Which one? Uh,
1: Tony Storm. Who's she married to? C.J. Parker. Oh. Oh, you, you mean Juice Robinson? Yeah, they got married this year. Oh yeah, he wrestled under the name C.J. Parker. I forgot. Oh yeah, yeah. I, for, I forgot about that. But yeah, he's a uh, he's Juice Robinson. Yeah. These women, this I'm is some, dude, this is some of the best women's wrestling I've seen in a long time. This <laughs> is this is right here is a prime example of what women's wrestling should be, and that's why I honestly think there is a locker room full of women hating on Thunder Rosa because they're jealous. They are jealous that she can out wrestle and outperform every single woman on that roster. And only a small handful can work a good match with her. Because this division has been for the longest time the worst women's division in all of wrestling. Because even though there's a lot of good, gifted, talented, incredible women wrestlers on there, they are overshadowed by Kenny Beta's geisha girls that come in with no knowledge of how to work, no knowledge of how to sell, and basically treat the business like a joke. And then there are some women from the States that get in the ring and have no business wrestling in a ring. There are some women who belong in the ring. There are others who belong either at ringside or in catering. Brutal. That's brutal honesty. The majority of the AEW women's division fucking sucks. These two ladies here are on a small list that don't. And I agree with you. Tony Storm should be the AEW women's champion right now. But this match was so fucking amazing between the wrestling, the working, the psychology, the storytelling, the back and forth. I'm not even mad that Thunder Rosa won. Neither am I. But I'm not. Yeah. And they shook hands again when it was over, and shook hands before. So there was sportsmanship before and after. This was a wrestling clinic, and every single woman in that AEW locker room should be taking fucking notes. All of them. Right. Yeah. All th- of them.
2: Look and the observe, ladies. This is how you actually do it. There was no. How many times you see them go on a top rope? Rarely. Hardly. I was like, like, do a, like. There's a lot of DVTs in this match. Did you know this? Yes. There was a lot of DDTs. Like Jesus Christ, girls, ladies, lay off the head.
1: <laughs> you know, it was actually kind of funny. What? A lot of people were uh, shitting on Jim Ross because apparently somebody took a tweet that he sent about you know. Apparently Jim Ross said something about DDTs, and he said there's a lot of DDTs on this card. You would think one would put somebody away. <laughs> yeah. And people got mad at Jim Ross for saying that because they thought he was shitting on the women's division. It's like, look, it wasn't. Th- and I said that's the problem that most AEW fans have with Jim Ross is he's not drinking the Kool Aid.
2: He's he's Jim motherfucking Ross. He, he calls, would never drink the fucking Kool Aid.
1: He calls bullshit when he sees it. If you pay attention to his commentary, there's a lot of times where he sees things that clearly bother him, and he points it out because it needs to be pointed out. Some of these wrestlers have no idea how to fucking work a match. They ain't no, got they don't. a shitting clue. And you got one of the best of the best talent relations guys. Guy who's been in the business for decades. You can hear him talk about things that legit bother him on the commentary. Because a lot of you guys on this roster don't convince people that you're in a fight trying to win. You look like you're going out there and trying to entertain with flashy moves. And that's why nobody likes you.
2: You also notice when JR gets upset, he mutters under his breath. Oh, totally. <laughs> I was like, where did and I hear him say it? And that makes me chuckle. I was like, I was like, JR was right there. i pat you on the show. And I agree with you, sir. Because out of everybody, he's my favorite commentator of all time. I love that fucking
1: man to death. Uh, Tony Schiavone is my personal favorite, but I acknowledge Jim Ross as the GOAT.
2: Yeah, and uh, Taz, he's good. And Excalibur, after what you said, I was like, okay, I just ignore him. I really do. I sometimes listen to commentators. I sometimes don't. I'm more focused on the match, but I do understand what they're saying. Especially uh, Schiavone, JR, and Taz. Otherwise, no, that. That's just like yeah, that was a that was a that match right there was fantastic. off Tony Storm didn't want Tony Storm. I love you. Please divorce CG. Probably a couple you me. You're not gonna do that though. But it's okay. I can dream.
0: Moving on. Yes.
1: On that note, we're gonna move on to the oh next god. match of the evening. Dear God, help us oh all. Oh no. I talk no. Speak, speaking about flashy moves and not trying to win for the IWGP oh US title. Will Osprey <laughs> defends the title against Pockets. No. I love a god no. <laughs> okay, Finny. Was it bad? No, it was sad. It was
2: fucking horrible, dude. Uh, I mean, uh, I want to like Orange Cassidy. I really, really do. I want to like the guy, but I don't get the fucking gimmick. And the beginning of the fucking match, did you notice that Will Ospreay was 99% of the fucking
1: time was on offense? Who did, Who went without offense?
2: Orange Cassidy went without offense majority of this match. Will Ospreay was on the offense the whole time. Basically, he took him down. Kept up taking him down. There was way too many kickouts. Yeah. It just needs to end kick out after kick out after kick out. It's like, dude, for Christ's yeah. sake,
1: end this piece of shit. Yeah, I mean, I like I li- I mean, I will say this. Will Osprey, I'm becoming more and more impressed with this guy because I'm learning more about him. I didn't know much about Will Osprey. I've heard stories about him, but I wasn't sure. He he he's mostly in New Japan, so I naturally assume that he's a spot monkey. But to my surprise, he is a great worker. Orange Cassidy, you've seen one Orange Cassidy match, you've seen them all. Very true. There's nothing special about orange cassidy it's the same dog and pony show every time i mean
2: yeah i 100% agree i was i was getting mad i was like okay can you two get this over with and at least will osprey went over that's what's important
1: he retained his title he puts him away to get the victory i will say the only complaint i have about osprey was he tries to hit two moonsaults a shooting star press and a corkscrew splash in the span of four seconds I'm like okay, that that's too much. So that's my one negative about Osprey. Outside of that, loved it. Um, I love that he controlled the match because the more he controlled the match, the less Cassidy had to do, and that's the whole point of it. So that way, when Cassidy makes a comeback, he does his same old, same old shit, and then Osprey can put him away and keep the title. The only good thing oh, that would have came so out bad. of Orange Cassidy winning this title is that maybe he'd spend some time in New Japan and get the fuck off my TV. But after this match, can hopefully can... he'll get he'll stay the he'll go back to staying the fuck off my TV.
2: TV. I'll give him credit for one thing. When he turned that one of those matches to a stunner, I was like, yeah, yeah okay, 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 okay. But when he does that just running drop kicks with hands in his pocket, I was like, thinking, dude, you're going to fuck up one day and seriously hurt yourself.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: I was like, I mean, I like the guy. I doesn't look like he's a bad dude. But anyways, moving on. Moving on.
1: Because I want to move on to the match of the fucking night. Mm-hmm. And I'll dispute that if anybody wants to argue. So first, we got Zack Sabre Jr. Now, it is revealed beforehand. We, we, we mentioned this on Dynamite. That Brian Danielson was not going to be able to compete, but he would be naming a replacement, and we would not find out who it was until Forbidden Door. And they also revealed that the person who would be facing Zack Saber Jr. will also be involved and take Brian Danielson's place in the Blood and Guts match that will be taking place tomorrow on Dynamite. So we're all in anticipation. I can't even remember who I picked to predict for that. But like, do you remember who my who my guess was? Johnny Wrestling. Yeah, we both.
2: So we both picked Johnny Russian because I picked yeah. it up. as the first person I think about we're, it, but.
1: So we're thinking about that. We're trying to figure out who it is. We're waiting. We're waiting. We're waiting. All of a sudden, this weird music hits. And out comes a gentleman named Claudio Castanoli. But to the WWE fans, we know him as Cesaro. Cesaro is all elite and goes one-on-one with Zack Sabre Jr. I
2: thought it was going to end really quickly. after he hit his hit that European effort, and it hit the, the neutralizer. Is that his finishing move? Yes. Hit the news but he kicked out. I was like, I was like, it was back and fucking fall. Oh, I've never seen Will Oscar, but that guy impressed the little shit out of me. I mean, exact Saber Jr., oops, wrong person. <laughs> Sorry. And, um, man, this was fucking fantastic. I would not say it's the best match of the night. No, we're gonna have to talk about that. But I honestly would agree with you when I saw this. I was like, ah, oh, this is Zaro. And there's only one problem, Vinny. You know what that is? What's that? His girl, his name's. Saint, Uh, sounds kind of I don't know, girly. Why does his name sound girly? I don't know. It just says Claudio sounds kind of chickish to me.
1: Claudio is very much a guy's name. I never heard of a person named Claudio. That, have you? Yeah. In my, oh. I have an uncle named Claudio. Oh. So it can be Italian oh. name. It's a Swiss name. Um, I know there was a. Of this is an Italian. Name. There was a Latino porn star na- guy named Claudio. And
2: you would know, wouldn't you?
1: Well, yeah. She he fucked the shit out of Ava Devine. She kept calling him Claudio while he was drilling her. Though so his name is fucking Claudio. <laughs> I'm just saying. Are you sure Are you sure you were not watching him? Positive I was not watching him. <laughs> and if I was watching him, it was to take notes on if, if, I, if, I, if there's anything I can improve on my skills. It won't
2: go wrong there.
1: Hey, porn is a great tool for studying. Trust
2: me. Otherwise than that, yeah, this match was actually fantastic. It was great. It was a little too long, but at least Claudio, a.k.a. Cesaro, won. Because if he would have lost, he would have just gotten buried.
1: I, 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 don't I don't know if he would have made- got buried but i don't think it would have been a good start because again here are the facts here most of the fans that came to this show are aew fans yeah, they like New Japan, but let's be honest. This is in Chicago. H- how many of those people, truly, in those stands, do you think are going to be watching New Japan on a regular basis? None at all. How many of the New Japan faithful do you think were going to order this pay-per-view? A lot. Like the ja- I'm talking about Japanese fans in Japan.
2: Probably not at all because it's not in New Japan.
1: That's what I'm saying. It was mostly an American show yeah, put under the AEW banner. So the AEW guys were going to go over for the most part, which I think is probably why they put a lot of... The exception, of course, being you know Will Osprey obviously beating Orange Cassidy was the Japan guys going over, and they put a couple Japanese guys in the uh, the, the tag matches, kind of mixing them up so the Japanese guys can get some some wins. But overall, this was focused mostly around AEW and less around New Japan.
2: Well, yeah, because of course it makes sense this is actually yeah. a, in America and it it's AEW. It was in Japan, it'd be a different story. Yeah, but it was actually here.
1: Exactly, and even though I will uh, I will say this, I love the fact. They had the uh, Justin Roberts and the Japanese ring announcer both doing the ring announcing for the American. Yeah, I saw, I saw that
2: too. I saw that too. You know how the Japanese guy didn't really say much about the American people, but they did. He did a tremendous ovation towards the Japanese guys. Well,
1: yeah. Well, I, you know, that's that's you know, he's emphasizing his. That's what you do. You emphasize your brand because he knows how to deliver their names. You know. Yeah, I can see that right there. I can see that. So you know how to do those names. You're you're going to give more praise to the other brand.
2: Well, of course you are. But it, not all the Japanese guys tonight did a shitty job. A lot of them did impress me. I was like, okay, not all of them suck.
1: Yeah. Zach Sabres, this, this match though right here, best technical wrestling I've seen in a long time. This was a technically sound match. This is a masterpiece. It was a fucking work of art.
2: Yeah, it was a work of art. It was absolutely fucking brilliant there, my dear good sir. Uh, and I was like, I was impressed. And i never really seen Zach Saber Junior before. I was like, all right, all right, let's see what you do, dude. I know Cesaro and he's great in the fucking ring. Hopefully he can do something with it. Otherwise or not, I give this an A+. And otherwise than that, moving on.
1: Um, not quite. Um, I do want to say first here, Cesaro did phenomenal in this. I was glad to see Cesaro show up. I think it's kind of cool that he's now part of the Blackpool Combat Club. I think it's a perfect place for him to be. And I feel like Cesaro is gonna get an honest push in AEW. He was extremely over with this crowd. I mean, this went from a a respectful fight to a creative spot fest to a technical clinic
2: that's very true
1: they kept the crowd interested and dominated i mean like i said Mm -hmm. this was the match of the night it was it had the perfect formula for everything you would want in a wrestling match and both these men proved they are two of the best in the world as far as technical wrestling and the question is will AEW do right by Cesaro I'm, I, I'm not comfortable calling him Claudio just yet um yeah I'm just gonna
2: call him Cesaro that's just too weird
1: yeah um are they gonna do right by Cesaro or is he gonna get fucked here like he did in WWE I hope not and on that note with We'll move on to the next match of the evening with the IWGP world heavyweight title. Jay White defends the title against Adam Cole, Hangman Adam Page, and Kazuka Kashika Okada.
2: No. Yeah.
1: It was it was Yeah. It was good. I mean, I mean, it wasn't.
2: It wasn't. It was good, but it wasn't great. Yeah, no, was wow. it? I mean, I mean, it was back and forth. So you should like a tempo four four way match. What pissed me off was the finish. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, I was like, okay, it went that easy. I was like, okay, you guys really suck. But Jay Wright won, which I'm happy with, too. Well,
1: yeah. Eh. Well, basically in this match, it was definitely a lot of like, a lot of people getting their shit in. That was a big part of this fatal four. Um, there were some good moments. Um, definitely Adam. Cole and Adam Page know what they're doing Jay White I'm impressed with him a little bit I think Okada's overrated
2: yeah well did you also notice during the match was, it was it started off kind of like a tag team match
1: well yeah because you know Cole and Jay White are friends they're kind of forming an alliance to get rid of the other two so they can fight it out to see who the champion is because Adam Cole felt like he should have got this one on one match then of course at one point Adam Cole stabs Jay White in the back literally with the backstabber to try and get a pin and then he kicks out so him and Jay Jay White end up, you know, throwing their alliance out the window. And then eventually White, you know, hits his finish, scores the pinfall over Adam Cole and retains the title. But I found out later there was a botch. Apparently Adam what Cole was, was supposed to kick out, but Rick it's counted to three.
2: Okay. I didn't know it was a botch and I'm pretty good eye at this. You probably, Did you see it at all? It looked like a clean pin to me.
1: I don't know. Somebody, I heard somebody say that he, that he botched. I didn't see no botch. Trying to Who see the fuck him. said this shit? Somewhere on the internet. I'm trying to figure out where it was. Yes. Um, let me see. Yeah, they did, they did, they did. I don't know. I think somebody like counted the three and then they continued. No. Oh, yeah. After Knott's counted the three, White said something to him. Apparently, White rolled a and went to go to Cole for a pin attempt and then apparently uh, Jay White looked pissed off after Rick Knott's counted the three. So apparently, they're saying Ooh. that he was not supposed to count the three yet. He, I don't know if Jay White was supposed to retain later on or whatever, but he counted that three and apparently, some say there might have in a botch there. Okay. At least that's I didn't what, see it there. That's what I'm reading. Okay. Well,
2: we'll find out when we watch uh when we find out what guts Guts And there's a promo about it. But otherwise than that, I was like, okay, I don't know Jay White or the other guy, but I know the other two people. But there's a Japanese guy and uh Jay White I never heard of. It was started off as a uh, tag team match really to me, but I'm happy Jay White retained. I wouldn't have really care
1: who would have won. I mean, part of me would have preferred to see Adam Page win just so we can have a belt again. But knowing then, they probably screw that over too. I wanted to see him win the title to go to Japan. I felt like maybe Japan would treat him better than AEW. Since they He was the champion here and they royally fucked him. But either way, Jay White's keeping the title. And like I said, there were there were some decent moments in the match. But I wasn't like over the top, like excited.
2: All right, yeah. I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. Yeah. All right, sir. Sure. And
1: yeah. at, on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening. This is for the interim world championship. The winner of this match will be the world champion. They will hold on to the title until CM Punk returns and then they will fight to unify the titles. So we have for the vacant title, John Moxley goes one-on-one against Hiroshi Tanahashi. I thought this was actually fan he? This, w- they has fight.
2: This was great, was it not?
1: Oh, it was great. That Japanese
2: this, that, that, that dude's pressed the shit out of me. Like I said before, guys, I was like, okay, let me see these Japanese guys, because i never seen before. All right, I was like, all right, let me see these. There's a lot of spot monkeys, but that motherfucker right there came out there and did tore the roof off. He did do that spot monkey, so he did the ground a pound stuff, and not to mention, he's a big guy. Ooh, Hiroshi Itachi, that's a big dude. He pressed the hell out of me. I was like, all right, I might have to check this New Japan out. But otherwise than that, it was great, and he busted up um John Moxley, and it was, ooh, it was good. It was good go ahead.
1: Here's how I knew the match was going to be good. When the match started with a collar and elbow tie-up. The second they locked up, I knew this is going to be a good match. When you see something like that, you know you're going to see some good wrestling. You're going to see some good pacing. And that's what I love about it. They kept the pace steady and did some old school stuff to get things going. So they took their time before they got to the crazy stuff. They didn't hot shot right out of the gate like 90% of the other guys do. They paced it. They took their time. They were brought Calling. They they were grappling then eventually it gradually turned into you know spots over here spots over there building things up you know at one point moxley getting busted open how the hell did that happened i have no idea but Me i'll say neither. this I, did, I,
2: I tried to back forward up and i was like how, how the hell that happened first she was fine then i see Hiroshi in top rope he got he hits moxley moxley mox goes out the ring and all of a sudden he's bleeding. i'm
1: like what the hell unless oh never mind well here's the thing these two legit were killing each other but here's the best part when moxley got busted open zach mm-hmm. did anybody else bleed in this pay-per-view <laughs> <laughs>
2: Chris Jericho and his little posse also I'm asking you did no. you
1: see anybody else bleed mm, mm, no exactly which means when Moxley bled it meant something that is the key see when you don't have a lot of blood on your pay-per-view and suddenly one or two people in a match start bleeding it makes it more special if every other match there's blood the blood's not a big deal it's just there it means nothing
2: I guess it really uh, at sometimes, there's maybe one or two people, like you said, man. But it comes like to three, maybe four. It's like, okay.
1: Think about it. There's about what, eight or nine <laughs> matches on this card? And out of those nine there's matches, one guy is bleeding out of everybody that competed on this card tonight. That's yeah, a big deal. True. That made the that blood special, especially when it's a guy whose whole gimmick thrives on bleeding. I don't respect someone until they bleed with me. The only way it could have been better is if Tanahashi got busted open, too. But even then.
2: Or, or how about this? Or, uh, hey, like, Marks didn't bleed, but Tanahashi. Did. That would have
1: been great too.
2: He, That Japanese guy pressed a little shit out of me. I was like, okay, I like his entrance. I, I'm
1: like, okay, and I saw him in the ring. I was like, okay. I am a Tanahashi fan, and I can honestly say, out of everybody on this card tonight, he was the only New Japan wrestler of Japanese descent that I had any respect for. because There's a lot of Japanese, a lot of the guys from New Japan that I liked, but it was mostly the non Japanese people because they at least knew how to sell and kept their spot monkey shit to a minimum.
2: That's true as well. Only, I agree with you on that. The
1: other Japanese. Japanese guys were the same Japanese guys I've seen in WWE just all over the place no sell strong style stupid shit not making any logical sense just moving for the sake of moving Tanahashi made himself a worker Tanahashi was working Moxley and they put together a masterpiece and Tanahashi is surviving all these near fall attempts Moxley finally puts him away with the paradigm shift to become the interim world champion and this was a match that was only put together because of CM Punk Punk's injury. Otherwise, true
2: as well. it would have been CM he Punk fighting Tanahashi. Back. I mean, I think also that that's one as well, but two things. One, I think him, Moxley um, winning this, maybe he got his dignity back and not being sober. And two, most importantly, does this mean he's a
1: two-time AEW world champion? As far as I'm concerned, yes. Okay. Because right now, he is
2: the world heavyweight champion. In the future, we're probably going to see a CM Punk versus Moxley world title
1: match in matching block goal. We have to. There's no choice. Because Punk is oh, the original shit. champion so him and Moxley have to have a match to unify the titles and form one undisputed champion and that's how the interim titles work. So until CM Punk comes back, John Moxley is the World Heavyweight Champion so he's the first ever two time AEW World Heavyweight Champion when Punk comes back, he and Moxley will have a match unless someone, unless someone else beats Moxley for that title before Punk comes back which I don't think anyone should then Moxley and Punk will fight and Moxley most likely, I think Punk will win, so he can have the long title run that they want him to have.
2: So. Yeah, I'm sure agree with you on that. And when CM Punk comes back, they don't need to do special match; they just need to do a normal match, a submission, or one, two, three. Exactly. Oh, that was a good hit. But
1: yeah, right now Moxley is recognized as the champion. So that's what I'm saying. He is the interim champion. So and then eventually that means when Punk comes back, they're gonna have a fight. The only difference is if Moxley wins, he doesn't become a three time champion. That's the only difference. Or if Punk wins, he doesn't become a two time champion. Punk just gets the title back and keeps his reign going.
2: But you are correct, sir, because you necessarily had to win because shit, not really lose it. Yeah. Okay. 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 So that's... Otherwise, in that there, sir, this pay per view was not that bad.
1: Yeah. <laughs> this is a this is a pay per view right. with limited buildup and several injuries that forced plans to change and was still great. So even though there were a few matches on this card that I didn't like and felt were a waste of time, overall this was a fantastic pay per view. This actually delivered, and I'm impressed. And like I said, there were a couple. New Japan people, that impressed me. Your Tanahashi's, your Zack Sabre Jr.'s, your Clark Connors. I was impressed by them. They were the guys that really... Even Jeff Cobb and Great Okan, I thought, were a great tag team. The rest of the New Japan guys, not so much. I mean, yeah, not so much. Not a big fan. But overall, it was a great pay-per-view, and, um... They got a good showing for New Japan. Hopefully, some people who didn't watch New Japan before might go over there and watch it. Uh, Personally, I won't because I'm just not a New Japan fan. So, they did not gain me as a fan. But if the guys that I liked ever come make an appearance in AEW, I welcome them with open arms.
2: So do I, sir.
1: All right. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will uh, wrap up this recap of AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling presents Forbidden Door. Uh, Zach, as always, I thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, join me. Me and I look forward to talking to you next time.
2: No problem. I was speaking. I wasn't busy today. I was off today, so it was all good. And I'm off tomorrow. Yes. So. And
1: by that, he Yay. means... Yay! And by that, he means at the time that we're recording this. Like, he's off on Monday, and he's also off on Tuesday. So, uh, make sure... Oh, don't
2: worry. I got tremendous more drinking to do
1: later. Well, I'm just saying, I'm clarifying things for the audience because even though we're recording this on Monday, it's coming out Tuesday. So, I didn't want the listeners to be confused what you just said you're off on Hopefully you're off on Tuesday me. Wednesday your ass is going back to work yeah
2: that's that uh, when I gotta be at work I gotta do the open closed shift
1: <laughs> alright well wish him the best of luck and uh, make sure you guys follow the Booch cast. we're on Anchor Anchor Spotify Spotify Breaker
2: Breaker
1: Google Podcast, Google Podcast, And iHeartRadio And
2: iHeartRadio Pick your
1: favorite hosting site and follow us there Or be a super fan and follow us on all five hosting sites Also, like us on Facebook Go to Facebook.com slash TheBoochCast We have archived episodes of the show As well as great content uh, Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter and Instagram At TheBoochCast Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos Go to our YouTube channel Check out all of our YouTube video content Our exclusive video content and make sure you guys hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. Also, make sure you are following us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, July the 30th for WWE SummerSlam. Come and join us for the biggest party of the summer. We'll be live at 8 p.m. Also, because we can't legally show the pay-per-view, we have a bootleg link for those of you without a Peacock subscription. That'll be on our Twitter page at 7pm one hour before the show airs. We will have it posted there for you guys to check out so make sure you guys come and join us on the Twitch channel. And of course we'll be doing it from one of two places. We'll either A, be doing it live from Nashville, Tennessee uh, because Buff and I are going to be at StarCast that weekend in Nashville, Tennessee uh, for the big StarCast weekend. We'll be there signing autographs, taking pictures and of course the night after SummerSlam will be Rick Flair's last match, God only knows how that's going to go, Um, but either way, we'll be in StarCast that weekend, so we might do it live from there, or if we're not able to do it, the team here in Georgia, they'll be doing it as well, and I won't be present, but either way, we got a SummerSlam watch party coming your way, so please join us 8 p.m. Saturday, July the 30th, WWE SummerSlam. Also, we got our live D&D show coming soon, Um, I've been talking to John over the last couple days, and um, there's a lot of personal shit that still needs to be done, but once once that's done, we will be getting that set up. Um, also, we got our Boochcast booking battle and a special surprise coming to the show. I am finalizing it with a few other people. Um, I just got to get some things worked out. Then I got to get the team over here to do their part. And then once all that's done, we can start with the show. And uh, you guys are going to love it. Also, uh, make sure you guys support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support become a supporter of the boogecast. support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes we have three different levels you can donate at our first level our basic level is 99 cents per month Uh, that's for people who don't have a lot of money to spend but uh, still want to help out the show there is no pressure or obligation to donate money as long as you listen to the show and spread the link to everyone you know and get us more hits and more downloads you're still helping us out a great deal but if you still want to put a little skin in the game and help us out The 99 cents level is for you But for our fans out there Who have some extra spending cash And want to help out Our second level is $4.99 per month $5 per month same amount of money you would pay for a peacock subscription i know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the peacock so don't give them money give us money we got better content than peacock anyway and we got the third and final level you can donate at which is for a mere $9.99.
2: $9.99. the
1: same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE network subscription here in the united states ever since i got sold to the peacock you got nowhere to put that 9.99 so take that 10 bucks bring it over here we got better content the network and unlike the wwe we actually care about our fans and our dedicated GIVING THE PEOPLE WHAT THEY WANT you have the option of paying with a credit card or with Gpay And the best part is all the money that we raise from this show, all, from your donation, we use that money to finance and build the show in some capacity. We use it to upgrade our equipment. We use it to bring in bigger name guests, pay some bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and you believe they deserve to be paid for their hard work, that, that sh- money should be going their way. Well, anchor.fm slash bootcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then, if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed this gentleman here his, his ramen noodles. Uh, he is, Lord knows he is starving. He can't afford to miss any meals, ladies and gentlemen. So, we got to get that ramen noodle sent to him. And, of course, we have to, and we try, but we, we're, we're, we're trying, ladies and gentlemen, but we still need your help. To get him laid. So no longer will his penis remain flaccid and unused. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Booch Cast. Talk to you guys next time. Until then, peace, baby. baby.